Section 29 of The Art of Letters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Graham Scott, Cheltenham, England. The Art of Letters by Robert Lind. Oscar Wilde. Oscar Wilde is a writer whom one must see through in order to appreciate. One must smash the idol in order to preserve the god. If Mr. Ransom's estimate of Wilde in his clever and interesting and seriously written book is a little unsatisfactory, it is partly because he is not enough of an iconoclast. He has not realised with sufficient clearness that while Wilde belonged to the first rank as a wit, he was scarcely better than second-rate as anything else. Consequently, it is not Wilde the bow of literature who dominates his book. Rather, it is Wilde the egoistic, aesthetic philosopher, and Wilde the imaginative artist. This is, of course, as Wilde would have liked it to be. For, as Mr. Ransom says, Though Wilde had the secret of a wonderful laughter, he preferred to think of himself as a person with magnificent dreams. Indeed, so much was this so, that it is even suggested that if Salome had not been censored, the social comedies might never have been written. It is possible, observes Mr. Ransom, that we owe the importance of being earnest to the fact that the censor prevented Sarah Bernhardt from playing Salome at the Palace Theatre. If this conjecture is right, one can never think quite so unkindly of the censor again, for in the importance of being earnest, and in it alone, Wilde achieved a work of supreme genius in its kind. It is as lightly built as a house of cards, a frail edifice of laughter for laughter's sake. Or you might say that, in the literature of farce, it has a place as a dainty rogue in porcelain. It is even lighter and more fragile than that. It is a bubble, or a flight of bubbles. It is the very ecstasy of levity. As we listen to Lady Bracknell discussing the possibility of parting with her daughter to a man who had been born or at least bred in a handbag, or as we watch Jack and Algernon wrangling over the propriety of eating muffins in an hour of gloom, we seem somehow to be caught up and to sail through an exhilarating mid-air of nonsense. Some people will contend that Wilde's laughter is always the laughter not of the open air, but of the salon. But there is a spontaneity in the laughter of the importance of being earnest that seems to me to associate it with running water and the sap rising in the green field. It is when he begins to take Wilde seriously as a serious writer that one quarrels with Mr. Ransom. Wilde was much better at showing off than at revealing himself, and, as the comedy of showing off is much more delightful than the solemn vanity of it, he was naturally happiest as a wit and persifleur. On his serious side, he ranks not as an original artist, but as a popularizer, the most accomplished popularizer, perhaps, in English literature. He popularized William Morris, both his domestic interiors and his utopias, in the aesthetic lectures and in The Soul of Man Under Socialism, 
a wonderful pamphlet the secret of the world-wide fame of which mr ransom curiously misses he popularized the cloistral aestheticism of pater and the cultural egoism of goethe in intentions and elsewhere in salome he popularized the gorgeous processionals of ornamental sentences upon which flaubert had expended not the least marvellous portion of his genius into an age that guarded respectability more closely than virtue and ridiculed beauty because it paid no dividend came wild the assailant of even the most respectable ugliness parrying the mockery of the meat tea with a mockery that sparkled like wine lighting upon a world that advertised commercial wares he set himself to advertise art with as heroic an extravagance and who knows how much his puce velvet knee breeches may have done to make the british public aware of the genius say of walter pater not that wilde was not a finished egoist using the arts and the authors to advertise himself rather than himself to advertise them but the time spirit contrived that the arts and the authors should benefit by his outrageous breeches it is in the relation of a great popularizer then a popularizer who for a new thing was not also a vulgarizer that wilde seems to me to stand to his age what then of mr ransom's estimate of salome that it is a fascinating play no lover of the pageantry of words can deny but of what quality is this fascination it is when all is said and done the fascination of the lust of painted faces here we have no tragedy but a mixing of degenerate filters mr ransom hears the beating of the wings of the angel of death in the play but that seems to me to be exactly the atmosphere that wilde fails to create as the curtain falls on the broken body of salome one has a sick feeling as though one had been present where vermin were being crushed there is not a hint of the elation the liberation of real tragedy the whole thing is simply a wonderful piece of coloured sensationalism and even if we turn to the costly sentences of the play do we not find that while in his choice of colour and jewel and design flaubert wrought in language like a skilled artificer wilde in his treatment of words was more like a lavish amateur about town displaying his collection of splendid gems wilde speaks of himself in de profundis as a lord of language of course he was just the opposite language was a vice with him he took to it as a man might take to drink he was addicted rather than devoted to language he had a passion for it but too little sense of responsibility towards it and in his choice of beautiful words we are always conscious of the indolence as well as the extravagance of the man of pleasure how beautifully with what facility of beauty he could use words everyone knows who has read his brief endymion to name one of the poems and the many hyacinthine passages in intentions but when one is anxious to see the man himself as in de profundis that book of a soul imprisoned in embroidered sophistries one feels that this cloak of strange words is no better than a curse 
if wilde was not a lord of language however but only its bejewelled slave he was a lord of laughter and it is because there is so much laughter as well as language in intentions that i am inclined to agree with mr ransom that intentions is that one of wilde's books that most nearly represents him even here however mr ransom will insist on taking wilde far too seriously for instance he tells us that his paradoxes are only unfamiliar truths how horrified wilde would have been to hear him say so his paradoxes are a good deal more than truths or a good deal less they helped no doubt to redress a balance but many of them were the merest exercises in intellectual rebellion mr ransom's attitude on the question of wilde's sincerity seems to me as impossible as his attitude in regard to the paradoxes he draws up a code of artistic sincerity which might serve as a gospel for minor artists but of which every great artist is a living denial but there is no room to go into that disagree as we may with many of mr ransom's conclusions we must be grateful to him for a thoughtful provocative and ambitious study of one of the most brilliant personalities and wits though by no means one of the most brilliant imaginative artists of the nineteenth century End of section 29